You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, rolling along, hour number two, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. It's Warriors This Week, Warriors and Grizzlies set to tip tomorrow, 1230, right here on 95.7 The Game, as Game 1 and Game 2 of that series in Memphis at FedEx Forum, then a three-day break before Game 3 and 4 to be played over next weekend, Saturday and Monday, uh, the Warriors' next home game, Saturday and Monday. Also, Whitey, I uh, want to let everybody know uh, the Warriors have released uh, some information about some watch parties uh, which mm. are going to be going on uh, in Thrive City. I know the Warriors have, have been able to do that uh, of late, and so the Warriors are going to have playoff watch parties presented by Chase. That's at Thrive City. Uh, tomorrow is the first one for Game 1, 11 a.m. for the 12.30 tip-off uh, as the Warriors take on the Grizzlies. And then again on Tuesday, tip-off for that one is 6.30 p.m. Uh, and so you can gather beginning around 5 p.m. Uh, so the watch party's free and open to the public uh, as the games will, will air on the uh, Thrive City video board and so uh, fans will have an opportunity to hang out with other Warrior fans in a big-time way. Uh, so that should be something cool uh, for Warriors fans if you're looking to gather and, and, and meet uh, for some, some big-time games here as this series gets tipped off. Yeah, they had a really nice gathering last uh, Sunday when you were in uh, Denver, J.D. And to me, no disrespect to the Denver Nuggets. It was really cool, speaking of respect, to hear what Jokic had to say about Draymond after – uh, the last game and and what Draymond had to say about Jokic, but now that the Nuggets are out of the way, to me this really is when the playoffs start. Not just for the Warriors, but we have you know the top four seeds in each conference. They all advanced. There was a time way back when when you only had eight teams in the playoffs. To me, this really is when the playoffs get underway. It's unfortunate that you know Embiid's hurt now and you got Middleton's hurt, but that's that's just part of playoff basketball. The playoffs begin now, and to me, I, I, I don't think there's any question. This should be the juiciest and most watchable series, the Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies, who scare me not as much as they did, but on my scarometer, I got the Grizzlies running like a 6.5 to a 7 right now, J.D. Yeah, they, they scare me more than they scare you, uh, although maybe not as much as they did in, in the middle of the season as I look at it, and that's more just because the Warriors at times – in the final couple of weeks of the regular season and the first three games of the series against Denver did look like they had another gear that they could find that, that could potentially make them unbeatable. 
against you know in individual games. And and I thought the Warriors, for as good as they were, there were there weren't a lot of times where they looked unbeatable. You know, this season and certainly in the second half after the forty-one and thirteen start, how much of that was Denver? Not sure. It did wane and change in in game four and game five a little bit. Uh, but I think the Warriors are going to get a better effort from the Grizzlies than we saw. Just a more buttoned-up performance against the the Warriors than we saw the Grizzlies have against the Nuggets. So, so I do. I'm less fearful more because the Warriors, I think, have shown that they can be a better team down the stretch and in the first three games of that series. But I I don't think the Grizzlies are going to be up to the challenge. There's no doubt in in my mind uh, with that, Whitey. I think the Grizzlies... The Grizzlies are, are going to be a different team than, than the one that we just saw take six games to, to beat Minnesota and need a lot of fourth-quarter heroics to, to do it. This is still a very difficult matchup, and some would say maybe even the most difficult matchup that the Warriors could face in any postseason series. I agree with you. One of my thoughts here is as Memphis struggled, especially in that first game where they got destroyed by Minnesota, one of my thoughts was, and I think you mentioned this already, that maybe they were looking past Minnesota, looking to the Warriors. I think they were uh, to a, a, a degree. That was that was part of what was going on there. But one of the things that really has to concern the Grizzlies is that Steph Curry, J.D., I'd be interested to see if you agree with this, Steph Curry is Steph Curry again. And I know in the first game of the series against Denver where he was coming back and he struggled, but other than that, I mean, that's Steph Curry. Remember when he got hurt and Steve Kerr said, yeah, this isn't ideal, but silver lining. Maybe we learn to play without Steph, and maybe he gets some rest. I mean, his three-point shooting, we know he struggled with it all year long. He was over 40% for the series, even with uh, that first game where he struggled with a shot a little bit. His free-throw shooting, I don't know what's going on there, but overall, Steph Curry looks more like Steph Curry than I think he has at any time this season. Yeah, and that's a great that's a great deal for the the, the yeah. Warriors because they're gonna they're gonna need that and he helped carry them to victory on a night Wednesday in Game Five where others frankly just just didn't have it. So yeah, if the Warriors are gonna win the championship, how much of it is Steph's got to be Steph and Clay's got to be Clay and Draymond's got to be Draymond? I saw signs of all three of those things, but Steph coming back from the injury maybe the biggest question mark of them all. Uh, but yeah, he looked refreshed and invigorated and ready to to lead this team on a on a deep run. Yeah, twenty eight points in the series and forty percent shooting. A lot of people saw what happened at the end of the last game with um, Peyton closing, and they wondered, "Ooh, is that the new closing lineup?" That, of course, was primarily because uh, Jordan Poole was in foul trouble. But that's something to keep an eye on uh, as well. I think we could all agree. We touched on it already. GP two shapes up as maybe the X factor of this series. Can he um, be enough of an offensive factor to stay on the floor for extended minutes? Because if he can, boy, you'd love to have him on jaw as much as you can. Yeah, you definitely would. And, and could he wind up closing in some lineups? So we got a lot of questions on the board. Do the Grizzlies scare you to what level? Uh, who starts in this series, I think, is a key question for the Warriors. Do they go back to Kevon Looney? Does Jordan Poole come off the bench? How do the Warriors handle that? Uh, give us your X factors for this series and your predictions for this series. 888-957-9570. Let's get Robin in San Francisco next here on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Robin. Hey, thanks for having me. So, uh, J.D., I talked to you the other night, so uh, back to bus up. 
because I'm going to back it up. <laughs> okay. I like afraid, it. Uh, you remember I was talking at that snack. So I, I'm really not afraid of the uh, Grizzlies. Uh, you know, I never disregard an opponent, you know, just be dismissive. But I think the key for the Warriors would be defense. It has to be defense on the and and, and and I think that one through three because of their experience, I'm a firm believer that wisdom and, and experience always. Because I'm a mother, and my mother used to always say to me when I was uh, twenty some, she said, "My age start with a six for a reason, little girl." So I say that to apply that to one through three. The wisdom and experience, I think, will apply, and that they can be, be, you know, if they play smart, uh, because you know when you're young and you're cocky, you know, and I think it boils down to them keeping their cool and being nonchalant, and they're young, and I think that they really can outsmart the Grizzlies. I really do believe that, and it's going to take that one, two, three, pool. Even Kaminga, even though he gets lost on defense, they're young, and I'm gonna. I, I really am excited to see these these young fellows on our team go up against these other young guys. Okay. Thanks, Robin. Appreciate the call. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Robin's line open as well. I do think I could see the Grizzlies being almost too wound up at times mm-hmm. in this series, and and the Warriors. Veteran calm, I think, is is the way that, that they need to attack this thing. I know Draymond is going to go at it with Dylan Brooks and, and everybody else. and I, I, But I think part of this series for the Warriors is, in some ways, trying to make the Grizzlies a little too emotional because I think they're already carrying that weight of they want to beat the Warriors so bad that maybe that can lead to some mistakes. Maybe that can lead to a lack of discipline that the Warriors can exploit. Not everybody can do that. Not every team can do that. Not every player can do it where you can play angry, basically, because sometimes, you know, you get angry, you get too intense, and it becomes a distraction, distracts you from the things you need to focus on. Uh, I think at times last year it seemed like it worked for Memphis, but uh, we'll we'll see in this series. Now, I was on, you know, last couple of weeks I've been on with Ray Ratto a lot, and we've been talking about this, and Ray doesn't think, he thinks some of that is contrived and that Memphis doesn't really care so much about, you know, the Iguodala situation, and maybe they're, they're, they're really not, there's not that angst um, that we think there is between Memphis mm-hmm. and the Warriors. But I think it's 100% real, and I think it's something that they're clinging to, and I think they've been looking to this matchup all season long, um, and I think the Warriors feel a little bit too, and I think they've been they've been knowing they've been trying not to think about it, but like this is a team that they've been wanting to play. They want to teach this team a lesson too. After this is a team that knocked you out last year, so I think it's very real. And I think even the Iguodala thing, the resentment over what Iguodala did last year, he didn't want to go play there. I think that's very real. I don't know if that's going to be a factor because he may not be playing, but I think that's that's what makes this series so spicy and so, as you like to say, JD, high juice content in. This series, yeah, there's a lot of spice in this series. I'm not sure it's it's the Igadala stuff as much as, although I do think it's part of it. I think it's more that the Grizzlies see themselves 
as the Warriors of maybe 2013 or 14, like on the brink of maybe it's not this year, although it could be this year, but in the next year or or in the next few years, being the young team that wins a championship or maybe wins multiple championships. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks got a little carried away yes, in, yes. Along, <laughs> along those lines. But I, I do think the Grizzlies look at the Warriors almost as the big brother that they want to knock down and get what they've had and what they and, and what they got going back a, year, a few years ago. I think they view themselves as kind of the next Warriors in a way. And, and, and the only way to, to get to that point at the top of the mountain is to go right through and end the, end the OG's reign as they attempt to come back themselves after a, a couple of year hiatus. Yeah, I, I agree, and that's why it's so great for the Warriors that, that Steph's playing so well, and Clay, you know, as much as he struggled now, it looks like, wow, he's Clay. I know you and I talked about this after the game in Denver on Sunday, the game the Warriors lost, and Clay was in foul trouble, but he looked like he was on the verge of having one of those uniquely Clay games. He had, what, 32 on uh, seven dribbles or something ridiculous like that. Looked like he was going to be one of those games. So it worked. The Warriors played him through his rough patch, and I know a lot of us were wondering about that. I know I said, look, if he continues to play like that with that body language, I you I don't know that you can keep playing him. But it worked, and here he is. He's, uh, he's clay again. I'm wondering how much the Warriors are going to need from Jordan Poole in this next round because he was up and down. I still think Poole is going to be throughout his career – a little more of a streaky player, and that's okay, you know, because when he's hot, he's really hot. But how much are they going to need from Jordan Poole, who became the focus of the Denver defense last couple games of that series, and to what extent are the the Grizzlies going to focus on slowing down Jordan Poole? I think if you bring him off the bench, some of that is negated, but I think if he can play well off the bench, give you that, that push off the bench, I think that's the perfect role for him in this series. It it really is, and I I think the Warriors are they the Warriors cannot beat Memphis with offensive outputs that they had in Game Four and Game Five against Denver. It it's going to have to look more like the first couple of games against Denver, and it's not going to be as easy because the Warriors, frankly, looked like they had Denver overmatched in 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 the first three games, and it was just a ball movement shooting display. The the Grizzlies much better. Uh, in terms of the athletes to get out and and try and defend and and try and be be physical, I know uh, the Nuggets had said they had to slow the game down. The Nuggets, a, a poor transition defense team, but a very good uh, defensive team when they would play in the half court. So they really tried to get the the series to be played more uh, in the half court. I, I don't think that's going to necessarily be the case in this series. I think both teams want to get out and want to get out and run, but the Warriors are not. They're not going to win games in this series with only Steph Curry playing well offensively in terms of Curry and Poole and Clay Thompson. And look, Clay's been tremendous. He didn't shoot it well in game five. Jordan Poole didn't really have it in game four and game five. And the Warriors were immediately uh, a lot more vulnerable. So, yeah, I'm not saying Jordan Poole's got to be awesome every single game. But there's going to have to be, I think, four games in this series where at least two of those players are shooting it and playing at an extremely efficient level offensively in addition to everything else that we've talked about if the Warriors are going to win this series. Yeah, speaking of shooting, Jaw. remember last year 
when Memphis ended the season against the Warriors. They played the last regular season game, which the Warriors won. Then they met them again in the play-in tournament, and Memphis sent the Warriors uh, on their way. But one of the questions was Jaws a shooter. Remember, he was making some big shots, and he'd proven then that um, you know he was a much-improved jump shooter. But he struggled with his shot against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, again, if you can keep him out of transition – that would be great, but a concern it, you know, he's really good at getting to the rim and getting to the line. And the Grizzlies do a really good job at getting to the rim. And the way the Warriors foul, the Warriors are going to have to figure out how to defend John, defend uh, guys like, you know, we haven't talked about uh, Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. without fouling, because that could be their demise. Turnovers and uh, uh, fouling, as you said earlier, it's been a warrior problem all year long. Some of it goes back before even last year with the with the turnovers. The Warriors are going to have to figure out how to how to minimize that. Uh, and it's it's funny. I talked to Steve Kerr about this this week. How do you continue? How do you find new ways to remind your team of the importance of not fouling and and not turning the ball over when they know it already? They know it intellectually. They're not idiots. They're very smart players, and they know it's important. But yet, they still continue to make those mistakes. So as a coach and a coaching staff, how do you find ways, new ways to remind them of that? And he said, you know, that's where losing a game comes in handy. That's the remind. We can talk yeah. all we want, but you lose a game, and there it is, guys. Look, this is what happened. So hopefully the Warriors uh, have learned their lesson to the extent that they can keep that from becoming, those two things from becoming two things that uh, really hamper them against the Grizzlies. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson, 888-957-9570. Turnovers, fouling, I think rebounding, and just the overall size and and length and tenacity uh, of the Grizzlies uh, as well are things that the Warriors are going to have to to mitigate. A couple of text messages here uh, on the Xfinity Mobile text line, uh, the 714 I don't think the Lethal Weapon 3 lineup, new nickname there, Whitey, was effective last game. And Poole didn't play as well as he did at the beginning of the series. Will this suggest a move back to the original rotation? I I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, Whitey. It it sounds like you think the Warriors are going back to Kevon Looney and Jordan Poole's going to be coming off the bench. We, We agree on that one? Yeah, I think I just think that helps you more if you get some scoring off the bench. I agree. That's that's what I would do, but I would have done that in the last game. Let me just say this real Doesn't quick. Doesn't mean Looney's going to play a lot either, right? Doesn't right, mean Looney's right. going to play a lot, but he's be out right. there to soak up some minutes early. All the nickname stuff, and boy, you know, I love it as much as anybody. But if that's ever going to be your starting lineup, as it was last game, there's no nickname. No team that I can ever remember has a nickname for their starting lineup. That's just your starting lineup. Now, sometimes it may be their starting lineup, sometimes not. But if that's going to be your starting lineup at times, no nickname. Are you with me? You don't have, nobody has a nickname for your starting lineup. It's just your starting lineup. Yeah, I think it, I think it went. I think it got a little carried away. I think I think everybody got a little bit over their skis. I know Steve Kerr tried to tamp it down a little bit, and I think uh, folks have calmed somewhat just based on the fact that it wasn't as dominant a group as the the Denver series went on. The six five zero on the Xfinity Mobile text line. Good morning, guys. This is our buddy Rots. Uh, no reason for the Warriors to start Looney against Memphis with Adams out of the rotation. Uh, I would expect Steph Clay. Poole, Wiggins, and Draymond to start. Draymond and Wiggins can handle Jaron Jackson Jr. And Clark, it plays right into the Warriors' strength. What do you think of that? Rots, uh, one of our more astute 
basketball observers uh, among our listeners here. Thank you, Ross. Well, I've already said that I would start uh, Looney, but I, it's a great point he raises because one of the things that Memphis struggled with a little bit against the Timberwolves is they didn't get off to great starts. So if that's something that's going to carry over into this series and then you're able to get that lineup, whatever, you know, three-guard lineup, if you're able to get going early and really get the jump on them and put them in a hole early, then, yeah, if, that, if you feel that's your five best players and Memphis has a habit here in this postseason of starting games slowly, then, yeah, I could see how it would be very important to seize that opportunity to jump on them from the uh, opening tip. Another text message from the 415. Hey, J.D. and Whitey, I think Jordan Poole is going to be targeted on defense by the Grizzlies. Where can we hide him? Maybe on Dylan Brooks. Morant will just blow past Poole, and Bain will shoot over the top of him. Your thoughts on that one? It is. It is. It goes both ways, right? Where Where does Morant defend? Where does Jordan Poole defend? How do the Warriors match up defensively if they wind up starting Jordan Poole again? And even in those closing lineups, if Jordan Poole's going to be going to be out there, how do the Warriors parse all of that out? Yeah, it's a good question. There's really no great place to hide and put him on Brooks. I mean, Brooks is you know Brooks is a pretty good offensive player, very aggressive. He could get by Poole, and plus wherever you put him, they're going to hunt him out with switches and go after him. I don't know the answer. I think when Jordan Poole's on the floor, JD, and please tell me tell me what you think. When he's on the floor, it just becomes more important to score and to get Memphis in the half court because, you know, transition especially, Jordan Poole, it's it's not his greatest strength, not a great defender. It's a key to this absolute series. I don't really see a place where I'm comfortable putting him, so my point is it's more important when he's on the floor to make sure you're shooting the ball well and executing offensively to take a little less pressure off your defense overall. No, I think that's a I think that's a great point. Uh, the 408, uh, as we clean up some text messages here uh, on the Xfinity Mobile text line, I think this this person, the first one, coming down my road a little Uh-oh. bit. So it's gone from Kaminga is a rookie, hasn't earned it, not one of the top ten players on the team, to played some meaningful minutes, thirteen points in sixteen minutes, uh, to part of the rotation because Igadala can't in parentheses, doesn't want to play, I guess that's an improvement. I mean, look, Iguodala's got what seems like a pretty serious injury right now. Uh, I mean, anytime mm-hmm. you're talking about a cervical deal in the in the neck, I mean, that's, that's significant. I mean, you can't play through that. So I know at times it's become fashionable uh, to, you know, what's going on with Iguodala and, you know, the, all the discussion about him playing for the minimum. I, Iguodala wants to be playing right now, and the Warriors want Iguodala to be playing right now. So I think that's legit and, and is probably not something that should be should be joked about, but as far as Kaminga goes, Whitey, look, he's, yeah, exactly. He's gone from fringe, not in the rotation, to potentially, I'm not even convinced he's for sure in the rotation come come this series tomorrow, but he is going to have to play some minutes in this series because the Warriors are down two, essentially, from where they started and certainly ended the Nuggets series. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, there's going to be opportunities for him more, you would think, against the Grizzlies. But given where the Grizzlies are strong, you know, it's going to be tough. Kuminga defensively is going to have to really take care of his business or you can't have him on the floor and he's going to have to box out. 
I, I don't know, at times maybe you have him as a, a small ball center on the floor. So he's going to have his chances, but it's an open question as to as to whether he can hold his own in a series. It's going to be really physical. We've seen this year times, and it's understandable, J.D., right? It's understandable. 19-year-old, uh, when he's trying to play against bigger guys, I'm remembering when, when the Knicks were in town, and Julius Randle just, like, shoving him out of the way. So, yeah, he'll have his chances, but he's got a lot to prove physically and defensively in this series if the Warriors want to keep him on the floor. He's Whitey Gleason. I'm John Dickinson. We're halfway through here as we're going to be with you until noon, 888-957-9570. As uh, Warriors this week, we get you prepared for the Dubs and the Grizzlies. Game one, round two, the Western semifinals. You're going to hear it all right here beginning at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning with Warriors Live. Tip off at 1230, and we got you covered for this one. Going to be a massive, massive deal. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Here on 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, 888-957-9570. We're halfway through here on a Saturday as the Warriors and Nuggets set to go from Memphis tomorrow, 12.30 tip. We're also trying to keep everybody updated on what's going on with the NFL draft, uh, at least uh, as it pertains to the San Francisco 49ers who did just have their first pick of the morning as we went to break. And so the 49ers, Whitey, selecting uh, a an offensive lineman, a tackle uh, from Texas San Antonio, Spencer Burford. Uh, I guess he was a guard. Spencer Burford from Texas San Antonio goes to the 49ers, uh, mm-hmm. round four, 134 overall. He was a, a four-star recruit in high school, a little unusual because he stayed in San Antonio and he went to UT San Antonio. So he was the first four-star recruit to, to go to that school. And he actually played both. Uh, as a freshman, he played at left guard, and then he also played right tackle, left tackle later on. And it's like last year he started 12 games, uh, one at right tackle, 11 at left tackle. Um, in terms of uh, consensus with the scouts, he grades out. You know, this, 
it's hardly set in stone, but the, he's seen as a player who could be a, he has a talent to be an above average backup, very athletic uh, player, tends to get maybe a little uh, unfocused, but the 49ers have a guy uh, who can play guard, can play tackle, right tackle, left tackle, very athletic, and looks like a guy who, you know, with the proper uh, training and the technique, maybe could become a really um, mobile lineman, which you like with that zone blocking scheme. So welcome, Spencer yeah. Burford. Yeah, exactly. So the 49ers uh, will let you know when they're back on the clock here between now and, and noon and keep you updated on, on who they're able uh, to pick. 888-957-9570. Back to the Warriors conversation. Uh, just a couple of the key questions on the board here. Do the Warrior, uh, do the Grizzlies scare you, uh, Warrior fans, uh, going into this series? I know they had been the team that, that I think in, in some circles – Warriors fans feared more than even the Phoenix Suns or the Bucks or or lately the Celtics just based on the way some of the head-to-head matchups have played out. So do the Grizzlies scare you? Who starts for the Warriors in Game 1 tomorrow? Does Kevon Looney go back into the starting lineup with Jordan Poole off the bench? Do the Warriors continue to start Steph and Poole and Klay Thompson and Wiggins and Draymond Green as they did in Game 5 against the Nuggets? Who has the potential to be uh, an X factor, and then give us your predictions for this series as well as the Warriors and Nuggets get get set to tip tomorrow. The six five zero Whitey on the Xfinity Mobile text line brings up a point, and and I touched on it very early on in the show, and I do think this is important. Can the Warriors' three guards keep shooting so well against the wings that the Grizzlies have? The length, uh, also six five zero, adding uh, Gary Payton the second closing out. Game five, is that something we could see more of uh, in the playoffs? I think it's possible in this series, in particular because the Warriors may need him on John Morant. I also think it's possible, though, if one of, really, Jordan Poole isn't shooting it well. I think that's what opened the door for for it to happen in game five, and the game really was, was bogged down and mucked up and more of a physical kind of a game, which opened the door to, to him finishing if the game is open and flowing and, and Poole and Clay and Steph are all uh, – look, Steph and Clay are going to be out there regardless, but Poole would be the one player that maybe could open up a pathway toward toward Peyton uh, potentially being out there. Maybe even Wiggins if it's a night where he he doesn't have it. Yeah, I think the most surprising thing we've seen all year from the Warriors, and there have been a lot of surprises, uh, good surprises, bad surprises, all season long, but GP2 – to be the guy making those two huge shots in a clinching game, you know, from where this when the season started, like nobody wanted him, and even players on the Warriors wanted Avery Bradley instead of him. It's I've never seen anything quite like it. I've said that a number of times, JD. It's been absolutely amazing. And when when he's playing well, you know, he looks like a veteran. He looks like a guy who's who's been doing this his whole career. Um, so he's obviously a guy who appreciates where he is. It's interesting that the Warriors, you know, they 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 don't have as much. Uh, I don't know, if faith's the right word, but they don't feel like he's the fit that a lot of fans are starting to feel like he is. Maybe that's changing now. If he continues to shoot like he's shooting, obviously he's going to find more time on the floor and he's going to have opportunities against Jaw here. Jaw's one of the things, as far as you know, being scared of the Grizzlies. Jaw's one of the things that's scary about them. But I think what's scariest about the Grizzlies, Draymond talked about it earlier this year I believe he says they're they're not bothered by anything 
And, and, you know, and that's, that's to their credit. So they don't seem to get, they, they don't get intimidated. They don't get discouraged. I think we saw some of that against uh, the Timberwolves, the fact that they were able to, to come from behind the way they did. Um, so they just have a ton of confidence. They've really been looking forward to this series. But of all the things about Memphis that are scary, I think it's the attitude and the confidence they bring every night that is the, the most scary thing about this Memphis Grizzlies team. A lot, a lot of good text messages coming in, answering a number of our, our different questions that are on the board here, Whitey, uh, including the five one zero. I think Memphis will play better in this series, yet them getting down big to the Timberwolves is a product of bad habits, and bad habits are bad habits, and bad habits can show up at any time. Uh, this person putting the X factors is Gary Payton the second on defense and Kaminga on offense. What do you think of that? What do you think of that? <laughs> yeah, Gary Payton second. It's pretty obvious uh, that he, he looms as an X factor here. Kuminga on offense. I, I mm. someone's going to come down my road too, JD. But I just ah, I think there's an open question there. You'd love to see him be productive, but th- this, this you know the the. This series against Memphis, the level of physicality and intensity is going to be unlike anything he has ever seen in his whole life, okay? And Memphis, they know all the tricks. They can be very physical. It's an open question as to whether Kuminga can hold his own defensively and rebounding-wise enough to stay on the floor. We'll see. That'd be great, but it's not going to be easy for him. No. Do you think he's going to get an opportunity, though, more than he did, more quickly than he did in the last series because of what's going on with Iguodala? And we already know he's going to be out for the first couple of games, reevaluated on Wednesday. Game two is going to be on Tuesday after game one tomorrow. Does that open the door for early run, you think? Or do you think it's a a scenario where – uh, Steve Kerr just decides he's going to play eight or maybe nine if Bielitsa gets a little bit of an opportunity. This this doesn't totally feel like a Bielitsa series to me. No, <laughs> no. Here's where I think yeah. it is, and I we I think we deserve a ton of credit because we were dead on on this when we were talking uh, during the Denver series and before. Where does Kuminga fit in? And we both said, look, Kuminga's role here, and we were guessing, but we said it looks like Kuminga's role right now is as a guy that you have when the offense gets bogged down that Steve Kerr will go to him, which he did last week in Denver, right? He had played a little bit in the series, but when he really got uh, minute high leverage minutes was in that game four when the offense got bogged down. So to me, that's where it is. I don't think Steve Kerr necessarily feels obligated, like I got to get him in, but I think that's the rule. If the offense is struggling as it may against Memphis and they're having trouble getting out in transition, which is so important, that's where I think Kuminga comes into play. That's, that's my, that's what I think uh, Steve Kerr's thinking on Kuminga is. It appeared to be the thinking in the last series. We were right. And I don't see why that will have changed here with a, with a, a, a different opponent. So not in the rotation at the beginning of the series, but maybe somebody that he goes to in a moment in any game, really, if, if things are, are a little bit bogged down to where he can, he can get some of those easy buckets where he can kind of use his, his just size and strength, even at his young age, to kind of bully his way into a deuce or bully his way to the free throw line a little bit. Yeah, get out there and run and get, uh, get the offense out into transition, and then if that works, then, yeah, of course, the next game you're going to try them that way again. It's just a guess, but as I say, we that's what we said about the last series, and I think, J.D., we were right on the money on that. No doubt. 888 
888-957-9570-510 on the Xfinity Mobile text line. Rebounding is going to be the key. That's in line with, uh, yeah, rebounding, turnovers, and fouls, I think. How how a series is officiated uh, will, will be a big key. The Grizzlies have the potential, especially with Jaron Jackson Jr., to, to get into some foul trouble. The Warriors were in a lot more foul trouble in Game 4 and Game 5 against Denver, and it was harder for them to get out and run and play at the pace that, that they want to play at. The half-court game allowed Denver to, to hang in it, I think, a lot longer uh, than it looked like they were able to when, when the game was more free-flowing and open. The four one five. Uh, I'm a Bay Area Warriors hater, this person writes, and I don't think they have a chance against Memphis because Memphis beat a better team than Denver Minnesota would beat the Warriors too. I don't know about that last part, but wow. Yeah, I, I don't think so, but that's what you expect from a Bay Area hater. I have a question for you, J.D. It relates to Peyton, but really to Draymond. Uh, Peyton's second big three in that game. You know, Draymond had the ball, and he was right at the rim, and I think Jeff Green was there. In fact, the two-minute report, they said it was actually three seconds on Draymond that wasn't called. Draymond appeared to have a layup. And he passed it up, went to Peyton, who hit the shot. So it was the right play. But it was noticeable that Draymond had no interest in taking that shot, even when he was right there. And I think the Warriors were up two at the time. So the next day when I came in, I didn't see you, but I saw Steiny and I asked Steiny, hey, what'd you think of that, you know, Draymond passing up that shot? And he said, I didn't think anything of it. And I thought, okay. But then I found out that Draymond actually addressed it. So many people were asking about it that he addressed it on his podcast. And Draymond said, you know what, Jeff Green would have sent that into the front row and um, you know, people don't understand. They compared it to Ben Simmons, but sometimes it's a smart play. I understand that, but I thought it was it was really interesting that Draymond was right there, a right at the rack, and he had no interest in taking that ball to the basket. Did you make anything of that, JD, or what did you make of Draymond's yeah. explanation? I, I thought I thought there were times where the Warriors had, and it wasn't just Draymond. There were times where they there were not as frequently as we've seen it at other times, but there was a reluctance to shoot. And and I think that's that is something that can bog the Warriors down offensively, especially when it's Draymond. I didn't think anything of it other than probably you got to take that shot. I mean, it was pretty it was pretty simple cut and dry for me. Is you got to you got to take that one up, even if Jeff Green does wind up throwing it. Yeah, um, I I agree. I think maybe to me it's like he doesn't have the faith with the you know the injuries that he's had that he'll be able to get to the rack in time that he with with his ability to take the ball to the basket I mean, you, some of I've heard it suggested that well, well he doesn't want to get fouled there he doesn't want to go to the foul line I don't know about that but it was something it was because the normal basketball play would be to take that to the basket it worked and Peyton made the three the good news though for Draymond he shot the ball in that series from the from the three point line better than he has since probably 2016. I know it's a small sample size, uh, but he made four out of 11. And, you know, we've seen him in the last couple of years. It's been hard to watch. So for Draymond to make four of 11 threes in that last series, maybe that too is a product of, uh, you know, working on his core. I don't know that he has that faith in his ability to take the ball right up against somebody to the basket, but he appears to have more faith and he appears to be shooting the ball better from the three-point line. And that's, that's a good sign. Eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Definitely a good sign if he's if he's able to knock down even a couple of threes uh, mm-hmm. here and there. Uh, the two four zero on the 
text line, the Xfinity mobile text line, and the phone lines are open as well. Uh, people come down our road from time to time. A little bit of praise here, even from somebody that, that can disagree. J.D., as usual, the voice of reason at 95.7 The Game. I don't like your views when it comes to the center spot, but I appreciate your, your basketball knowledge. Appreciate that as nice. well. Uh, mm-hmm. 925, Otto Porter needs to hit some shots. I think that's a big one. <laughs> if the Warriors play uh, fourth quarters like they have lately, no lead would be safe. They do need some of the others to knock down shots, and that dried up as the Denver series went on, especially. A Porter does other things to allow him to play, but if he just makes a couple of open ones himself, it makes the Warriors a lot more dynamic, even if they don't necessarily have a guy like Jordan Poole out there as they didn't in the in the closeout game against the Nuggets. Yeah, what was he one for three in the last game? You're right. We saw what he could do going back to, you know, Christmas against Phoenix. That's like that. That's why we brought you here, Otto, and and he he knows that. But that gets back to Kaminga. If Otto Porter can play offensively close to what the Warriors know he can and has in the past, then I think a guy like Kaminga is not as important. But if Otto Porter's struggling offensively and then you're not getting anything out of the bench, I could see how that would be a situation where, you know, break glass in case of emergency, that's when you would need Jonathan Kuminga. But Porter's going to be playing a lot of center in this series. It's really going to be, if you're a fan of small ball, and if you're a Warrior fan, you mm. probably are, this is going to be a really, really fun series. Because, again, remember game five against Minnesota when Jaron Jackson fouled out. Um, they replaced him with Tyus Jones, and the Grizzlies went really small and had a lot of success with that. So that's a, it's going to be a really interesting series from that standpoint. Let's get PK in San Jose on the phone lines at 888 What's up, PK? PK. Hey, hi, J.D. Uh, can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Okay, great. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Jonathan Kaminga um, and and maybe even Moses Moody, right? So um, I I, find, I feel that Steve Kerr is being extremely conservative in the use of these two rookies, uh, especially after watching the Pelican series where they had three rookies, right? Uh, Alvarado and Herb Jones, and I don't remember the third guy. They were contributing and playing playing like like crazy. Uh, and and the coach had a tremendous amount of confidence in them. I'm wondering why is Steve so conservative with our rookies, and especially knowing the alternate, like even Iguodala, is not playing well. He's creating turnovers. He's creating fouls. Not not zero offensive contribution. Um, and uh, and he can make mistakes. And Steve is very tolerant to that. Same with Bielitsa, right? No defense. Does not shoot the ball well. Keeps, keeps turning the ball over. They all are allowed to make mistakes. But why is Steve so conservative? What is your take on on uh, why Steve is so uh, uh, biased towards not using these rookies and giving them experience and uh, making them play, knowing that they will make mistakes like the veterans do? Uh, yep. Th- thanks for the call, PK. Good stuff. And I, I think as far as you know, Bielitsa goes, just kind of answering a couple of uh, different aspects of, of what you brought up, Bielitsa found himself not playing as the series went on because he wasn't playing well and he wasn't making shots and he was making mistakes. As far as Iguodala, and we've touched on this a lot, there is potentially an opportunity for somebody to get minutes in Iguodala's spot. However, 
veterans are always Whitey going to get more of an opportunity to make mistakes and and rebound from them. That's just that's just reality. I think the other part is, you know, as far as when the Warriors have full health, you you can't play everybody. And Kaminga, when the Warriors were fully healthy, was the eleventh man in the rotation. And and so you don't play eleven in a playoff series. Now maybe is he nine? I think that's possible with Iguodala and Bielitsa and the way that they've played. So there's more of a pathway toward him getting some minutes. But Moody, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if if Damian Lee got the call uh, and he didn't play at all really in the in the first round other than garbage time. It wouldn't surprise me if Damian Lee got the call even over a guy like Moody just because of. The, the veteran experience. There's a pecking order in the league and the veterans get opportunities. This is the Warriors are not the Warriors are not the Pelicans who are a young team that won thirty six games and are are just trying to to in essence develop for the future while trying to contend in a playoff series. I really appreciate that question because I found myself thinking about the same thing watching the Pelicans and the third rookie that PK was looking for, I think is uh, Trey Murphy the third and yeah, they mm-hmm. had they got contributions from from three rookies there. I think the key Herb Jones and Alvarado, especially, they they really make their presence felt defensively, which is unusual for rookies. And I think it comes down to that, and also as you said, the depth. Um, the Warriors just have other guys. They're a deeper team. They have other veterans that they know can give them the things that you know the Pelicans need from from these youngsters. Uh, Moody especially, uh, Kuminga. That the problem, the real concern is defensively in the in the playoffs. So that's why you know Moody right now he had a really nice season, but there's just too many guys you have who are proven commodities. Um, you, you, and you don't want to play a guy so that you know. Oh, if he's if you think he's going to make mistakes, you're not going to play him. You don't want to let the youngsters play through their mistakes in games that are playoff games. So I think the key there, JD, as you said, it's just the two organizations coming. Uh, at it from different angles. The Pelicans are up and coming, and the Warriors are a team that's, that has a legitimate chance to win a championship. I think the fact that Kuminga is getting a chance here is a real story and a real credit to him and, and the staff, but the reason they're not playing more rookies is because they have other guys who can give them the, what you could expect to get from Kuminga and, and Moody. Well said. Manuel in Dublin next year on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Manuel. Hey guys, man, we waited the whole season for this, man. You guys break down. I actually, I got my foot on the driveway. I can't get out of the car because I'm stuck to listen to you guys, man. It's a, it's a great show as always. Um, a couple of things. Um, Draymond, when when Draymond, how are they gonna, how are they gonna use Draymond? They're gonna, uh, he's gonna be running the offense as, as obvious. But do they switch a little bit? I see that Curry brings up the ball a little bit sometimes. And Draymond, is it more when you have that that I guess you guys call it the, the I don't know what the death lineup, whatever it is. Are we going to see all them at the same time starting? And do you think that we can get a combined 60 from Curry and Clay? I, and I would definitely say game one, if you don't get game one, I think we're, that's going to be a, a, a large task to, to win game two. Game one to me is the key. I don't want to say it's a pivot point, but it's a key to the series. Um, and then last week, the guy was talking about Kaminga. Man, I, I, I love Kaminga, but he does get killed when they, it seems like they focus on him. They put their biggest guy out and he gets pushed around a little bit. Maybe in a, another year or so that he, he might be ready, but I, I'm a Kaminga fan myself. Yeah, th- thanks for the call, Manuel. Uh, I'll, I'll let you address some of that, Whitey. As far as Draymond, I mean, you know, Steve Kerr kind of inf- infamously or, or famously said this year, you know, Draymond and Iguodala are our point guards. Remember that? 
Remember that? that yeah. Going yeah. back a couple of weeks. Um, but Draymond, I think, offensively, I mean, you know he's going to be involved in everything. Defensively, I think he's probably going to have the freedom to roam a little bit more in this series as opposed to having to be more glued to say Nikola Jokic as he as he had to be in in the games against the Nuggets yeah because if he's guarding and there'll be times when he guards Jackson but if he's on Tillman then he doesn't have to worry about Tillman and Steve Kerr has mentioned that because Draymond is kind of a rover on defense very effective the interesting thing about who's bringing the ball up is you got to pose the biggest threat to to Memphis if Steph's bringing the ball up and they send two guys at him they get the ball out of his hand um, do you want to do that, or do you just want to have Draymond bring it up and then have them chasing Steph all over? So you mix it up, but that's the advantage of having Draymond bring the f- ball up the floor, right? Is it's just you know it's harder to keep it out of Steph's hands if it's starting um, in someone else's hands. I, the, the, to me, the most interesting thing about Man- what Manuel said, Game One, I agree. Game One is so pivotal because the Warriors, because of the fact that. As we've said already, Memphis just played last night. There's a real opportunity there to get game one. If you get game one, and even then, if you don't win game two, you're just getting home court back, woo, you'd feel great about the first two games in this series. So, yeah, the Warriors have a real opportunity ahead of them tomorrow. If they lose, you know, maybe you win game two, but real opportunity. If you win game one, you've really got this whole thing tilted in your favor. Right, and game one is the game to get. No, there's no doubt. We'll talk more about that coming up uh, in hour number three, 888 uh, We'll get more phone calls, more text messages, and just a lot to get to as we, we preview the Warriors and Grizzlies. It's all going to get started tomorrow, the Western Conference semifinals, and we got you covered right here at 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.